Tonight, the China files are being reported all around the world, but two days later, the CBC is still completely silent. It's December 11th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I got to tell you, the China Files are the biggest story we've ever done. As you know, we released them on a website called thechinafiles.com on Wednesday. We put all 34 pages unredacted of military communications about the joint tactics and practices and exercises and exchanges between the Canadian Armed Forces and the People's Liberation Army of China. Shocking story. Became our most important story ever. And we invited the world's media to take those documents and run with them too. There's so many stories in there that still haven't been unpacked. The fact that we broke the news, that's a feather in our cap, but that shouldn't stop anyone from covering the news, and indeed others did. As you know, the Globe and Mail covered the story. Breitbart.com made it their top story that same day we released it. Well, after the documents were digested a bit, because in, in all candor, it takes a little bit of time to understand the lingo, the jargon, the abbreviations in these documents. So it takes about a day to, to work through them and think through them. So yesterday was such a big day. I want to tell you how my day went with this story. It started out, I was interviewed on Glenn Beck's national radio show. You know Glenn Beck. He is one of the biggest radio shows in America, one of the greatest listener bases. Here's just a clip of how that went. You'll see that he also uh, has a video stream of his radio show, but the primary listenership was on radio. Here's a couple minutes of that. I say again, this winter warfare training was canceled, but 17 other military exchanges with the People's Liberation Army are shown in these documents. I mean, for example, I'm holding in my hand a document that you can see on the Chinafiles.com. We are training one and two star generals in Canada, one or two star generals of the People's Liberation Army. We're tra training colonels and commanders and majors. And then we're sending Canadians to China to uh, go on exchanges. And I'm worried, for example, there was an event in, Octo in uh, October of 2019 in Wuhan, of all places. We sent nearly 200 Canadian forces, young men and women. And not only was that a propaganda win for China, but I'm worried, putting aside the virus, that we literally sent them to Wuhan the month before the virus broke out, you send 200 young, single men and women, lonely, away from home, discombobulated. Well, maybe some young cadets of the People's Liberation Army sidle up to a lonely Canadian soldier at night and say, hey, you want to go for a beer? And before you know it, there's a honey trap, there's an extortion, no. or just, you know, what are you doing sending 200 young men and women to Wuhan for a nine-day uh, military games. Yeah. Why? What are you doing? Why Don't worry about that. We've already we've gone through this with Eric Swalwell, and and there's nothing to see there. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, what a great way to start the day. We did a lot of other American media too. For example, I went on the always entertaining Alex Jones's show on Infowars. Here's just a quick clip of that. Well, this is a hundred times crazier than a Tom Clancy novel. 
We have the co-author with Tom Clancy, Dr. Steve Pachinik joining us next hour. This is the real world. And 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 I, I've been interviewing Ezra Levant for probably six, seven years. I've known who he is for over a decade. The, the guy's a great journalist, an amazing person. I sleep good at night knowing he's out there, literally. Now, you know, most guests, I don't have those type of platitudes, but he really kicks ass. To have him say this is the biggest thing he's ever broke because it exposes all this clandestine training no one knew about, and the military saying we're concerned and allies are concerned, and Trudeau flipping out like the little globalist he is, I mean, Ezra, when you say this is huge, this is seismic. You were getting to a big point, though, when you got cut off by the break. No problem. Listen, I, I want to tell you, you know, in my own way, this was my Bohemian Grove. When you went there and saw with your eyes what you always sensed, then you knew you were on the right track. It confirmed your suspicions. Same thing here. I did not know how, how pervasive the anti-American nature of our, of our bureaucracy was and the pro-China nature. See, we knew that Justin Trudeau, like his father, Pierre Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada a generation ago, we knew he had a soft spot for communist regimes. The Trudeaus loved Castro. Pierre Trudeau went to the Soviet Union on a holiday, said Siberia was the land of the future. So we knew that the Trudeau family had a soft spot for tyranny, but we did not know how deep it went into the bureaucracy. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I like the guy. He's a born entertainer, high energy, and he's really interested in China and their plans to dominate the world. A lot of his warnings about that country have come true. I did media in Canada too, including the, J the great John Gormley, the biggest and bestest radio host in Saskatchewan. What a pleasure to be on with him. But I have to tell you, the highlight of my day yesterday was appearing on Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News. I'd never been on before. I've been on Fox before other shows. But to be on his show, the most watched show on the most watched cable news network in America was pretty incredible. And it's just a four and a half minute clip. It's pretty quick. But you tell me, what do you think of this? Here's a story that's hard to believe, but it's real. Canada's Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, invited China's People's Liberation Army to send its troops to Canada for special cold weather training at a base in Ontario. That training was canceled after China kidnapped two of Canada's citizens and held them for years. A top aide to the Prime Minister then complained about the cancellation to the Department of Defense in Canada. Quote, Canada does not want to be the partner that is reducing normal bilateral interactions. In other words, it's immoral for us not to train Chinese soldiers, probably to kill us at some point. Now, that's not the first time Justin Trudeau has sided with the communist government of China. A few years back, he marveled at how the Central Committee managed to keep the trains running on time. Watch. There's a level of, of uh, admiration I actually have for China um, because their you know, basic dictatorship is allowing them uh, to actually turn their economy around on a diet. Ezra Levant is the founder of Rebel News in Canada. He broke this story. It's an amazing story. And he joins us tonight. Ezra, thanks so much for coming on. I read this. My first reaction was this cannot be true. Your prime minister offered to train Chinese troops in Canada. Why would he do that? Uh, it's a shock to Canadians, too, that cold weather warfare that you're referring to was just one of 18 different joint projects the Canadian Armed Forces had with the People's Liberation Army in 2019 alone. Uh, Canada is training 
one and two star Chinese generals in our war colleges. We're training uh, lieutenants and majors, commanders. We're sending Canadians over to China. We're bringing Chinese, I think they're not just soldiers, I think they're spies as well, to Canada. And I don't know a single person in this country who knew about it, but it's been happening. And we found out about it really by accident when the uh, government sent me uh, freedom of information documents and forgot to black them out. Or maybe, frankly, someone inside the government wanted to blow the whistle on this incredibly upside-down relationship. In those same memos you're talking about, Trudeau's office was supporting China and condemning the Trump administration. It was upside-down. It was inverted morality. It's seeping all the way into our bureaucracy, our diplomacy, and they're trying to get the military on side, too. The, I mean... With respect, we're Americans, so our concern is the United States. Canada is our biggest trading partner. We have the closest relationship with Canada, Canada of any country, obviously, in the world. This seems like an obvious threat to American national security. Does the Trump administration believe that, do you think? Well, in fact, in these memos, you can see that the Trump administration warned Canada that this winter warfare training would transfer knowledge to China that could be used. Now, they don't explain would it be used to take on Uyghurs in Xinjiang, Tibetans to fight India in the Himalayas, or even to fight us. And when the military, the Canadian military said our American allies or our allies are concerned about this, Trudeau's staff pushed back and said, is it just the Trump administration or is anyone else worried about it? So there's an antipathy towards America that seeps through all these secret documents. And the, the overarching goal is to let China's president, Xi Jinping, save face. I want to tell you, though, Tucker, that is not the view shared by grassroots Canadians. Ever since China kidnapped those two civilians two years ago today, actually, Canadian public opinion has hardened against China. And the last Pew poll I saw actually says that Canadians are more hostile uh, to China than Americans are. You have every reason to be. Ezra, thank you so much. And congratulations on Rebel News. I know you take a lot of abuse up in Canada, but you do a great job. We appreciate it. Well, I felt pretty good about that. I think I managed to convey the story. It was very brief, but I think the story got out there. And that look on Tucker's face, he was stunned by the facts. Uh, I thought his compliment towards us at the end was very nice. We have put up with a lot of BS, but we keep fighting for freedom no matter what. I really enjoyed that, and my phone rang off the hook. Text messages, phone calls, emails. It's amazing when you're on a show that regularly gets three, four, five million viewers live, plus many more online afterwards, so many people I actually haven't spoken to in years reached out to say they saw it. I felt pretty proud about that. And it vindicates our uh, reporting on the subject. I woke up this morning and that Tucker Carlson interview gave a real nitrogen boost to the story. The Daily Mail, one of the largest newspapers in the English language, based in London on Fleet Street, at least it used to be, um, did a massive story. And what's interesting is how they describe Rebel News. I've been in the Daily Mail before. Uh, typically for my civil liberties work with Tommy Robinson, and they used to call me right-wing Ezra Levant. And I guess I am sort of right-wing, but not in a negative way, as they sometimes use that term in the Daily Mail. Well, this morning, they called me conservative, and I plead guilty to that. Here, take a look at this Daily Mail article, just enormous. Not to be outdone, the New York Post covered the story, too. The New York Post 
a newspaper more than 200 years old. Um, founded by Alexander Hamilton, just an incredible newspaper, one of the great tabloids of America, covered the story too. And even the National Post in Canada, they covered the story fairly tepidly at first, but then Father Raymond D'Souza weighed in with a very complimentary tip of the hat to us for having broken the story. Here's a few lines of that, as you can see. They call us rambunctious. Again, that's an improvement by, by how uh, the National Post sometimes describes us. I see the Globe and Mail is doing more work on the China file. They always do. They really are the best newspaper in Canada on the China file. I can't uh, dispute it. And they're keeping the story going, talking about Canada's ambassador to China, the new ambassador and his role in that country and some of their goings on. Um, I've also seen our story, the China Files, covered in media in as far away as India and Israel. So our story has legs. We're going to talk to Gordon G. Chang in a moment and he'll give you his thoughts. He's a bit of an expert. So we've just gone around the country, around North America and around the world. The total viewership and readership of this story on our own website between YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the website itself is approaching a million when you add up all those different channels we have. Approaching a million, which is pretty big for us. But I say again, Tucker alone adds, what, five million? The Daily Mail adds millions more. I think it's for just an estimate that our story on the China Files has been viewed probably 10 million times. It's probably the biggest story we've ever done, and with good reason. It's an important story that touches on the hottest topics of the day. There's a reason it was marked secret, and there's a reason why it's so scandalous that it's been revealed. So I ask you this question. If the Globe and Mail has talked about it, and if the National Post has talked about it, and let's not forget our friend Joe Warmington at the Toronto Sun, who has this story, moving the story forward, showing that, in fact, despite deni denials to the uh, contrary by Harjit Sajan, in fact, Chinese forces did come to CFB Padawawa in 2018 for a winter warfare training. So that's uh, a, a scoop from Joe Warmington there. So let's go through it. We've got Rebel News, we've got Globe and Mail, we've got National Post, we've got Toronto Sun, we've got all the foreign papers. Is there something missing? Is there someone missing here? The CBC. Where is Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster? Is this a Canadian story? Why, yes it is. It's about the Canadian military. Is it news? It's the very definition of news. It's a news story. Is it noteworthy? Incredibly so. Are the documents legitimate? Yes, the government themselves has confirmed that. They said they didn't want us to publish it. They acknowledge that they're legitimate. Is China in the news? Very much so. Yesterday alone was the two-year anniversary of the kidnapping of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. There is nothing about this story that is not newsworthy. It's about politicians and bureaucrats versus military men. It's about our NATO and Five Eyes alliances. It's about, you know, uh, blacked out documents being revealed. Everything about this story is news. Don't take my opinion for it. Take it the opinion of every editor I've just outlined going with it. Why has the CBC not written one word about it? Is it because they don't like leaked documents? <laughs> no. No, I'll just tell you. No, it's the answer to that. 
They published WikiLeaks with great pride. They published Edward Snowden, a Chinese spy who leaked secret documents about the United States. They published Donald Trump's leaked personal taxes. You could say that's a private matter, not a public matter, but it was newsworthy. They ran with it. So they'll run leaked documents that embarrass, in all the cases I just mentioned, the United States and Donald Trump in particular. Why won't they run a leaked document? It wasn't actually leaked. It was just given to us about Canada. Well, we know why. Because they're a state broadcaster. It's the same reason why China's state broadcasters haven't run on this either. Extremely newsworthy about China. But you see, that would embarrass Xi Jinping. That's why their state broadcaster doesn't do it. And same thing here. Our state broadcaster is not allowed to embarrass Justin Trudeau. I want to give you an update on how I ended my monologue yesterday. I wrote back to the Conservative Party of Canada and said, hey, happy to talk to Aaron O'Toole at any hour of the day, even via Skype, happy to accommodate. And if he's too busy, happy to talk to his critics on the subject any time of day. I wrote back a second time to James Bazan. No answer, no answer, no answer. And I got to tell you, after yesterday's great publicity, where I was on the biggest show in North America, and we were picked up by some of the biggest newspapers around the world, where we maybe had 10 million eyeballs on our story, for me to reach out to Aaron O'Toole and say, hey, why don't you come and talk about this subject? You had your own press conference. No one even asked you questions about it. And to be given, <laughs> given the, the silent treatment, I want to tell you, it didn't make me feel bad. I mean, Aaron O'Toole wasn't in the newspapers, wasn't on cable news, didn't have 10 million eyes and ears on him yesterday. We did. And I have no antipathy towards Aaron O'Toole. I mean, I really didn't take a strong position in the last leadership campaign other than I was critical of Peter McCain. But if he's playing the same game of Andrew Scheer, of thinking that talking to Rebel News about incredible news is embarrassing with the cool kids at the CBC, that I'm afraid he's going to have the same results as Andrew Scheer, which are, look, if you're relying on the media party to tell your story, they simply will not. And if you're, if you're letting them veto who you will and won't talk to, and there's no real reason, like you don't want to talk to the source of this story about this story, if that's your media strategy, how are you going to win? How are you going to speak to your base, let alone the broader world? We had 10 million people paying attention to our story yesterday. I feel like we would be doing O'Toole a favor by giving him a platform. He's not doing us a favor by blessing us with his time. If, you, if I sound defensive on this, it's sort of the opposite. I think we just had the best day in the life of Rebel News. And who's Aaron O'Toole again? Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, it's been quite a kerfuffle, the China Files, all 34 pages which we've posted for the world to look at unredacted at thechinafiles.com. Last night, I was on the Tucker Carlson show, the top-rated cable news channel in the United States. This morning, I see the Daily Mail in London, 
one of the largest newspapers in that country, had a massive expose. Curiously, our own CBC state broadcaster has not touched the subject, even though the validity of the documents has been corroborated by the government. Well, if it comes to assessing China's slow infiltration of the politics of the West, there's no greater expert, there's no one who's been following this subject more carefully and for a longer time than our next guest. You know who I'm talking about, Gordon Chang, and you absolutely must be following him on Twitter, if you're not already, at Gordon G. Chang. Gordon, great to see you again. Thanks for making time. You're so busy in the United States with the news that a congressman uh, has been credibly accused of having a personal affair with a Chinese spy. That's been big news in America. What do you think of our news that our Canadian Armed Forces have actually openly, well, not quite openly, but formally been doing military exchanges and joint projects with the People's Liberation Army? Well, thanks, Ezra. Uh, this, uh, the overtures of uh, Justin Trudeau to China, um, you know, just seems to me to be out of bounds. Really, what they're talking about is that Trudeau wanted the Canadian military to teach the Chinese military how to fight in cold weather. And the question is, why would the Chinese want to know that? Um, and obviously, this is going to be a threat to Canada directly itself. But also, this is something that China can use against India. Uh, since the first week of May, um, Chinese troops have been involved in incursions in three areas in Ladakh, high in the Himalayas. We know that China is also engaged in incursions in Nepal and Bhutan recently. So um, Canada should not be helping the world's greatest threat try to break apart other countries. Yeah, I find it troubling. And, and apparently the United States Department of Defense did also. They gave a warning to Canada that about what they called a knowledge transfer. Now, uh, what we can tell, there were two such training sessions in cold weather warfare that did happen, Gordon. The first happened in China when Canadian forces went to China. And you can see, here's a tweet by the Canadian Army boasting about it. Four photos, including Skidoo's, which I think are a Canadian brand. So here they are boasting about joint training with the Chinese People's Liberation Army in China. And you can see in that tweet, they say that they reciprocated the invitation at Petawawa. That's the name of a military base in Ontario. And yesterday, the Toronto Sun confirmed that that invitation happened, that in February 2018, they did in fact train Chinese troops at Petawawa. So this would have been two training sessions in 2018, the first in January, the second in February. Now it looks like the 2019 one was canceled, but Gordon, I wanna ask you this. There were still 17 other exchanges with the People's Liberation Army in the year 2019, including and I'd love your comments on this. We were training one-star and two-star generals at our military colleges. Does anyone else do that, Gordon? Do, do other allies train their enemies' generals like that? Um, Chinese generals and, and, and flag officers and, and even colonels have been at military institutes in other countries. Um, but this has been stopped in a number of different places, and you can understand why. And that is because countries understand that China is incurably militant right now. 
under um, the Communist Party. So um, these types of training exercises have uh, are, are on the way out, um, largely because they are now counterproductive to global peace. And Canada should immediately terminate all of these relationships it has with the People's Liberation Army. I think there's a role for keeping lines of communication open. I mean, during the Cold War, there was that hotline between Moscow and Washington just so there was no misunderstandings that war didn't start by accident. I think that makes sense for that. But when we're inviting people to train at the Canadian Forces College, like that's our war school. I, I think that's much more than just lines of communication. That's actually teaching our tricks of the trade, our, our, our learnings. I mean, Canada and NATO, we've been learning warfare for decades together. And we're just giving that technology transfer to the PLA. That's what I find creepy about this. I'm all for having, you know, lines of communication. That's good sense diplomatically and militarily. But I feel like this has gone much beyond that. Yeah, well, certainly it has. And, and that's the product of the engagement theory, which held that as China grew stronger, it would become benign. Whereas we've seen that, in fact, the opposite is true. It's become more hostile, more belligerent, certainly more dangerous. You know, and these lines of communication that you talk about, Ezra, I think as a general matter, you're right. But these hotlines with China don't work because when China doesn't want to talk to you, they don't pick up the hotline. Hmm. So essentially, you just might as well have, um, you know, a phone call, a uh, phone line open. Um, and that's about it. Um, because when the Chinese don't want to talk, you know, they, they just uh, are making sure that there is no communication. I want to ask you one last question, then I, I know I got to set you free because you're, you're doing you're in such demand uh, talking about this next matter that Eric Swalwell, the uh, Democrat congressman who actually briefly ran for president. And there's a lot of allegations and there seems to be some evidence that he had an intimate affair with a Chinese agent. Uh, Fang Fang, I think, was her name in Chinese. And um, she may have had relationships with other rising stars in politics. And I want to ask you about, because that, I mean, I think that's called a honey trap in, in by trade. I mean, what is this man's sensitivity? Is he, is he a gambler? Does he need money? Is he sexually frustrated? Does he want a cute girlfriend? And I was thinking about Swalwell when I was looking at one more of the 18 exchanges that Canada had with China. Let me, let me tell you, but you probably know about it. In Wuhan, in uh, the fall, in October of 2019, so right before the pandemic became a big deal, China hosted the military world games, sort of like an Olympics, but just for soldiers. And um, Canada sent nearly 200 military personnel as athletes and coaches and trainers. So you had nearly 200 young, fit, probably attractive, probably single men and women to China for, I think it was nine days or 11 days, like a pretty long time. And they would be maybe homesick, maybe lonely, maybe disoriented, maybe looking to burn off some steam, blow off some steam. I got to think that that was a spying bonanza for China, at the very least, just to find out who these people are and learn a little bit more about the military. But it would not shock me, and I'm not blaming anyone or accusing anyone, but I would, it wouldn't shock me if tri China tried to seduce, like romantically, sexually, or otherwise blackmail 
these young men and women from the Canadian Armed Forces who were in China for nine days at a big party. I mean, maybe I'm being too um, paranoid, but I think that that would be a bonanza opportunity for the kind of thing that we've seen with Eric Swalwell. Well, certainly. You know, with Fang Fang, who is the suspected to be the Ministry of State Security agent who was close to uh, Swalwell, she actually had sexual relations with two Midwestern mayors, according to the Axios report. Um, with Swalwell, he has not denied a sexual relationship with her, hasn't confirmed it. Um, but the point here uh, is that after Swalwell was informed by federal authorities of uh, their suspicions about uh, Christine Fong, um, Swalwell um, only talked about Russian penetration of the U.S. He didn't talk about China. And being on the House Intelligence Committee, he would have known that China was a far graver, graver threat to the United States than, than Russia. So it shows a lack of judgment. And it also shows that Swalwell was propagating a Chinese narrative. So we've got, got to be concerned about his judgment. Uh, you know, China tries um, a thousand points of contact. They call it actually the thousand points, uh, thousand grains of sand approach to the collection of intelligence. Hmm. You know, China just interviews business people, tourists, students as they come back to China, getting little pieces of information and collating them uh, with their artificial intelligence and their big data. So this is a multi-point operation. And indeed, every contact that China has with Canada or, or whatever country is China uses to exploit that country. So there should be grave concern about these things like the military games or the military exercises you referred to, or just benign looking um, um, exchanges between uh, Canada and China. Huh. Well, I am glad that uh, the China files have received such attention. And I hope that our NATO allies, our Five Eyes allies, and especially the Americans, are helping to push our country back on course because I think Justin Trudeau has really warped um, our priorities in terms of strategic alliances. I, find, I found it very unsettling to learn these things. I like to think I keep my eyes and ears open. This was all news to me, and I, I find that incredible too. Gordon, it's great to talk with you. I want to give one more call to all our viewers to follow Gordon on Twitter. He really is my absolute number one go-to guy for what's going on. As you can see, he's got deep information. Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. He's an American, but he loves Canada, and he shares our view that we have to be wary of the Chinese Communist Party. My friend, thank you for taking time with us, as you do so often. We always learn so much from you. Well, thank you, Ezra. And thank you for all the great work you're doing, because those China files were absolutely critical for informing people, you know, in Canada and around the world of um, China's, uh, uh, the, the Justin Trudeau's attitudes towards China and China's attempts to penetrate Canada. Yeah, well, I mean, there's still a lot more to unpack in those files, and we'll do that in the weeks ahead. Take care, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Gordon G. Chang. Got to follow him on Twitter. It's a way to keep updated day by day. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. On the China Files, Derek writes, the facts are out. The truth is in the documents, so where's the outrage? Look how fast the police stormed and shut down a man's restaurant 
because he refused to enforce draconian rules that ban him from earning a living. I think I see your point, which is where are the police? Well, I, I don't think what Justin Trudeau is doing is, is a crime. I don't think it's treason. He, he wasn't doing these against any law. I think it was just incredibly bad judgment. I think his ethics are weak. I think his moral compass is pointing in the wrong direction. And the fact that he tried to hide this shows he sort of knows it. But I don't think any of those things are crimes. We're not actually in a war with the People's Liberation Army. It's not like he was training German soldiers in the Second World War. It's not that bad. So I don't think that what Trudeau did should be criminalized. And I've always been against calling political disagreements crimes because I can assure you if that ever happens, our opponents will criminalize our point of view long before we criminalize theirs. So you do make a good point that the big disasters in this country have no consequences, but the little guy trying to sell some smoked meat, well, he'll get all the king's horses and all the king's men. Ron writes, if the defense minister lied in parliament, can he not be called a liar outside of parliament? Oh, sure, we call Harjit Sajjan a liar all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, because it's factually true. He lied. The irony is that in parliament, you're allowed to lie in parliament, but calling someone a liar in parliament is unparliamentary language. John writes, after appearing on Fox with Tucker, the rebel can't expect to be slandered and called right-wing nuts from Trudeau's CBC. The interview was one of your best, and kudos for Tucker praising Rebel for the great work the team is doing in Canada. Thanks very much, and it was nice to hear that. Um, you know, you raised a good point. We'll be demonized as right-wing nuts by the CBC. Yeah, if they were even allowed to talk about the subject, but so far, and we're at about I don't know, 55 hours into it now, CBC hasn't said a word about the biggest story in Canada. Well, my friends, thank you for your support. And don't mind me going on about Aaron O'Toole. I, I just say that because he had a press conference on this subject. Six media party journalists were there. No one asked about these records. And we said, well, come talk to us about it, and he won't even return our calls. It's sort of sad and pitiful, but I got to tell you, Rebel's doing better than ever. And uh, I think he wants to avail himself of our 1.4 million subscribers. But if he's got other plans, good luck with that, mate. That's our show for today, and that's our programming for the week. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.